This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let us turn our attention stateside, as the British say, across the pond. Uh, not quite a pond here, very, very far away across the Atlantic in the United States where Donald J. Trump has now been charged with several crimes in connection with his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And a lot of the the lies and uh, falsehoods that allegedly he's guilty of. So I think this issue, if I had to sum it up, it would be elections, electioneering, undermining the electoral process, and then ultimately targeting the very foundation of democracy using wild accusations and broad actions and many, many alleged untruths and conspiracies. So what is this indictment and will it ever get to trial? We are joined by Brooks Spector, who's the associate editor at the Daily Maverick, also a retired American diplomat. Brooks, good morning. Good morning. Long time no speak. Absolutely. But it's lovely to speak to you. Are you well? Uh, we're good. And yourself? I'm fine. Okay. The niceties out of the way, not so nice for, <laughs> for for Donald Trump. What's going on there? Well, as you say, he's he's coming into a federal court uh, in Washington today, at, uh, probably around 4 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, which would put it at uh, 11 o'clock in the evening our time uh, to be uh, before an arraignment magistrate, not the trial judge, uh, where he will be asked, how does he plead for the the charges that are in the indictment? And undoubtedly, he or his attorneys uh, will say, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And then the magistrate will determine uh, whether or not he's released on his own recognizance or put in, uh, put in a holding cell or get to wear an ankle bracelet or, mm. or surrender his passport or be patted on the shoulder and, and told, now go out be a good boy, and uh, come back for your trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those are possible. I, I suspect released on his own recognizance is, is the right thing because it's kind of hard for him to go into hiding somewhere. He's kind of well-known. <laughs> anywhere he shows up, people will know where he is. Um, but what it does mean is that uh, these are serious charges. Now, you went through a litany of things that you – uh, you, you drew from the, current, the, the most recent charges, but the one that, that, that was sort of elided past was obstruction of federal business of, in, in the specifics of trying to prevent the Senate from confirming uh, the electoral vote count and therefore the election of Joe Biden as president uh, and preventing that, uh, as Donald Trump did, uh, with the riot and the insurrection at the Capitol building that he uh, provoked and encouraged, even if he didn't march down the mall himself bearing a flag saying, let's go seize the Capitol building, by his words, he did it. His attorneys are going to argue that this was all in the service of free speech, uh, which is a constitutional right. You can say anything you want, even if it's a lie. Lawyers point out, as I've been reading this morning, that well, there are limits. You can't say things, anything you want, in pursuit of a criminal act. And that therein lies the difference. And that's what the attorneys for the government will be charging. Right. 
uh, as opposed to what he will be, his attorneys will be defending okay. against. Okay, so there's quite a thing, a few things that you've said, uh, Brooks. So I'd like you, please help me to simplify it. Okay, so let's start off with the indictment on um, kind of influencing and tampering with the election process, something that you say he went further, other than just kind of uh, questioning the credibility of the elections themselves, but he went further trying to obstruct um, the federal business of the Senate in confirming the vote count. Um, how, how would he have done that, and why is that considered really um, a very serious crime? Well, I mean, in in a uh, in basic terms, he, he tried to convince the then vice president, uh, Mike Pence, not to confirm the electoral vote count to uh, engage in an emergency, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, recess of the Senate uh, to send the vote count back to the individual states and basically preclude all of the normal processes of, of this count. And in the process of doing that, encouraging a mob to go down and try try to seize the Capitol building, all of those in furtherance of preventing the government's business of electing a new president. Mm. Okay. And then let's talk about the latter point, Um, his utterances that may have prompted a mob to go to um, the Capitol, to Capitol Hill, to seize um, the government. I mean, obviously, they went in their guns, uh, wielding guns. So it was a violent attack. It looked like an insurrection. People have called it exactly that. And in some countries, that's treasonous. So what would his culpability be here? Well, that he encouraged the mob, that he created conditions through his speech uh, to have the mob activated such that they went to the Capitol building, broke into the building, uh, tried to capture one or more members of Congress uh, to despoil the building, to, uh, to cause deaths. And remember, too, that several hundred of the people who were part of that insurrection have been through the criminal process themselves. In other words, they have been uh, they have been charged with various versions, versions of things, uh, from breaking and entering to uh, assault with a deadly weapon, and, and on and on. And many of them have been sentenced. And it would be truly odd, I think, if the man who caused them to go do this was never brought to book when the pe- the the individual actors were and in many cases were sentenced to prison time. Um, that would belie the idea of equal justice under law, which mm. presumably most right-thinking Americans would, would want to support. Mm. The problem, of course, is that many of the people who are adamant Donald Trump supporters are no longer looking at evidence. They're simply assuming that anything that that lessens his stature or uh, limits his activities right. as part of some mythic deep state that's <laughs> bent on putting him away yeah. regardless of anything. Okay. And I think in a situation like this, you know, uh, and I, I'm just trying to draw parallels with what happened in South Africa uh, at the weekend. It's the assumption of what was said versus what was said. How does U.S. law works? Uh, an instruction to go and uh, lay a siege on the capital or people concluded that's what's meant. That's, that's what well, I mean that, by culpability. Yeah, no, that's going to be up to the prosecution to make that vital link 
And the prosecution has another task, of course, uh, and that relates back to the original question of free speech. And to the extent to which Donald Trump knew that his charges were a lie, that the election had been corrupted and that there had been cheating at, at a massive scale and so forth, if he truly and deeply and sincerely believed all of that, their defense that it was his free uh, First Amendment free speech right uh, to say that might be upheld. But if, on the other hand, he knew that this was not true, and numerous of his advisors, numerous of his attorneys, numerous of his appointees had told him repeatedly in the period between the election the actual election day and uh, the riot at mm. the Capitol, uh, if he knew that what he was saying was false, and if therefore he was encouraging people to act on a criminal ad adventure, then his free speech right takes second place to causing a criminal act. Mm. Okay, so within the indictment, um, they have also listed six co-conspirators. They haven't named them, but from the description, the media is concluding that the alleged conspirators, co-conspirators are uh, Trump lawyers and former um, mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, uh, Ken Chesbro, and also a former U.S. Justice Department official, Jeff Clark. What do you know about this, and what are the charges leveled against the co-conspirators? Well, it's, since the names have not been publicly revealed, and there may, in fact, be additional charges levied against them, that's, uh, that, that's one of the things that the, uh, the special prosecutor seems to be holding rather close to his chest uh, on the theory that I think that it is possible that one or more of these people might decide to cut a deal and, and you know, make a clean breast of it and say everything that they know. Unlikely, but it's entirely possible when you're facing real jail time um, that they're holding back on naming them and they're holding back on making the charges about them individually public on that assumption. Uh, but your list is accurate. You've done your research and you've got the names. Um, and they were all, especially Mr. Eastman, who was a law professor out in California, um, uh, trying to remember the name of the university, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. But his, he wrote the memo which motivated uh, Trump in many ways, a memo which most law professors that I have read, read from say this is fantasy. Uh, it's a construction that says... Uh, the vice president has the right to send back uh, faulty mm. ballots. The vice president has the right to uh, make the count happen all over again. And Rudy Giuliani was calling for an emergency audit of every vote and so forth and so forth. So, you know, you're faced with the fact that these people were the brains trust, if you will, of the the idea, false though it was, that the election was irrevocably, irredeemably mm. uh, corrupted, and therefore they had no choice but to engage in extraordinary measures right. to prevent it from taking effect. Um, if you get to the bottom of it, they're basing the whole thing on a fantasy, which is that, that the election was corrupted. Uh, no one has been able to prove that. There's no data that proves it. It's gone to court's 69 times in various states, mm -hmm. and not one of them, one of those uh, charges had right. been upheld.
so there we are. Okay, we're in conversation with Brooke Spector, Associate Editor at the Daily Maverick, also a retired American diplomat. We're talking about the latest charges against the former U.S. President Donald Trump. It's important to note that in the last, what, year, he's literally been indicted three times times. Uh, Now we're talking about alleged election tampering. Um, Earlier this year, it was hush money. And um, last year, it was kind of illegal retention of classified documents. So when we come back, I'm going to be asking Brooke Spector um, how all of this combined is going to influence his chances of running again for president. Thought-provoking conversations with Liratombele, 9 a.m. to midday. Yes, and we're in conversation with uh, Brooke Spector, uh, associate editor at the Daily Maverick, just finding out what's going on in America. And as I said earlier on, it's about the elections. It might also have something to do with the fact that there are going to be elections. And the fundamental principle is how do you even consider people to run for the highest office when they're accused of undermining the elections, that and much more when it comes to Donald Trump. Is that not true, Brick Spector? Three times uh, indicted on very different charges, but things that really are starting to speak to his character. Well, actually, there there may well be a fourth, uh, which will complicate things even more, and that'll take place in Fulton County, uh, Georgia, uh, where the uh, district attorney there, Fannie Wills, is is weighing whether or not to go forward and in what shape and, and, and context. Uh, Donald Trump's recorded effort to get the... Uh, the highest official in Georgia responsible for election management to go out and, as Trump said, go out and find the 11,780 votes uh, so that I can win Georgia. And then when Raffensperger, the individual concerned, said, I'm sorry, but they don't exist. Um, you had the makings there of an effort uh, documented by audio tape of, an, of, of a man trying desperately to uh, born the vote. Um, so there may well be a fourth indictment. And that will, uh, because the calendar now looks in front of us, that the, uh, the campaign for the Republican Party nomination for the presidency, which would culminate in the general election next November of uh, 2024, um, there will be primaries and caucuses starting in January among the various 50 states. And Donald Trump, at this moment, if you read the polls and if you accept the veracity of the information among people who are not yet fully tuned in to, you know, to the election in many cases, uh, he has an insurmountable lead among Republicans likely to vote in their primary elections. Okay. Now, I say that because people often confuse that with Americans support him, and it's entirely a different question. Uh, the majority of Americans do not on the face of it, support Donald Trump. Uh, A majority of people who say they're Republican may or may not, and it's uh, depending on the weight of the evidence that's brought forward in these cases and how they're argued, and crucially, how they're going to be scheduled. We have the one case that's set for, what is it, May of next year, uh, right smack in the middle of all the campaigning, and the other ones do not yet have dates for trial. So if they are arrayed across the calendar from the beginning of 2024 through to the end of it, it's going to be a very crowded year for Donald Mm -hmm. Trump, not to say the news 
okay. business generally. What are election rules in a situation like this, where somebody is currently three times indicted um, and will most likely be facing trial? Maybe that's the first thing you can answer, is whether or not any of these charges will eventually lead to a trial. And in the middle of that, how can he still be contesting to be the flag bearer and candidate for the Republicans as um, the Republicans prepare for elections? Well, first of all, the Constitution is silent on the question about whether uh, someone who is under indictment, being charged, uh, having been convicted, having been sentenced, or even in prison, Constitution's silent on all of those about whether or not said individual could run for office and even win. Um, and partly, I suspect, it's because nobody really expected such a circumstance okay. to happen. Um, but uh, the, the curious thing is, if he is convicted of any of these felonies, in some states he wouldn't be allowed to vote for himself. Uh, convicted felons, in many cases, don't have the right to vote until they have been rehabilitated. Um, but since he would be allowed to run and since he would be allowed to ostensibly win. And the question then becomes, would he pardon himself of all the crimes and, and misdemeanors he may have caused? The Constitution's also silent on that. And there's a, there's a fairly active debate among legal scholars about whether or not such thing is even possible. Um, and the closest, I, I think, that we have ever come to this as a country is, remember Richard Nixon? Yes. Pres- President, 1973. Watergate. Uh, the special committee in uh, the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives had voted overwhelmingly to con- to impeach him, and it was clear that the Senate was not going to give him a free pass. They would convict him. Okay. He resigned, and then Gerald Ford, who was the vice president, took over and eventually gave him a full and complete pardon. There was speculation that Nixon had contemplated issuing a pardon for himself, but there's no piece of paper to that effect. Okay. And finally, this is all happening on the Republican side of the party spectrum. What's happening on the side of the Democrats? Because people have been wondering, is Joe Biden going to run again? He's over 80. He's probably too old. Uh, He shouldn't think of doing it. He doesn't look very healthy. Um, I've read that he's given sort of he's tested the water, suggested he may run again. And in the middle of all of that are all sorts of uh, legal issues pertaining to his son. So, sure, his son is not the president himself, but it does start to taint the president, some people are saying. Well, it's quite clear that, that uh, Joe Biden is running for re-election. Uh, he's running for the renomination, and he's running for re-election, obviously, therefore. And the only, the only, the only declared candidate is uh, a man by the name of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who mm-hmm. carries a very famous name, uh, family politically, but whose uh, views on a range of things are so ill-considered uh, he is a noted anti-vaccine person. He's given to a variety of conspiracy theories. And I suspect most of the Kennedy clan that's left is probably trying to figure out how to avoid talking to him <laughs> at dinner. Um, you know, invite him to Thanksgiving dinner, let him sit in the corner somewhere. Um, but uh, absent some sort of event that we don't know about mm-hmm. yet, Joe Biden will be on will be on the ballot. Okay. Um, he's an 80-year-old man, but he's still 
you know, carries himself, by my view, uh, pretty well for an 80-year-old. I mean, I, I trip and fall every once in a while, too, and I'm only 73. Um, but uh, the problem of his son, Hunter Biden, yeah. is, is more complicated because Republicans in Congress, especially, and then a number of people who've given the, yes. the darker conspiracy theories, are saying somehow that Hunter Biden was the pass-through entity by which Joe Biden received millions of dollars oh, from gosh. Chinese and Ukrainian sources. There's no paper on this. There's no proof okay. of it. There's no evidence. But uh, they're carrying this forward. Okay. Hunter Biden had a deal with... Okay. With Unf- the, unfortunately, the we can't listen to the story. So what you're basically saying, my understanding, is Joe Biden is going to run unless there's a seismic event. And even though they're trying to pin his son... Uh, or they're trying to pin him to his son's business dealings. They can't do it. And up until they can do it and prove um, unequivocally that there's foul play, Joe Biden is the Democrats' candidate. Correct. Thank you, Brooke Spector. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.